Support for this podcast comes from Robert Kraft's Back Alley Rub-A-Dub-Dub Masseuse Parlor. Get what you need, when you need it, and never be held accountable. If Anthony Leone is the villain of this league, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, is Stebbs the hero? This could turn him into the hero. Welcome into another edition of the officially unofficial Roto Heat Guillotine League podcast. I'm Kevin Kloss, and this week we are joined by Evan, a former member of this Guillotine League. He comes on to commiserate about going down in a buy-heavy week, gives us a little inside baseball on the evil villain that is Anthony Leone, and talks about what it's like playing fantasy football as a Detroit Lions fan. We're going to get right into that right now. Evan, the mountain time zone, man. Thank you so much for coming on this week and talking about your time in our guillotine league. Ah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. been looking forward to, well, I'm not going to say looking forward to being on the show because uh, it means something bad happened, but you know. So you're not wrong. Something bad did happen. You were eliminated, but it was close. You know, you had, you had a chance there kind of late to, to pull it off. So I'm curious if you can just walk me through sort of your thoughts in terms of how your confidence level was maybe Thursday night, early Sunday, late Sunday, ultimately throughout the week, ending up with you being eliminated. What was sort of, uh, what, what were your emotions like during that roller coaster? Well, it, it started with the message from our dear friend, uh, Anthony Leone. Jeez. On, uh, I believe, Thursday, he messaged me and says, It's not looking good for you. On Thursday. And, I, I, yeah. And, uh, so or maybe it was Wednesday it was, and, uh, and I, I was like, what are we talking about? I think I'm that bad. So I start looking over my roster and I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got two studs on by and it starts hitting me. It's not looking good for me. And so I made a couple more moves last minute to try to fill uh, some waiver wire ads and but I'm like, okay, I got a couple studs. I can count on Aaron Jones, right? No, no, can't count on him. And uh, so Sunday, like you said, I work nights, and uh, I wake up to see that Aaron Jones let me down, and my team's not looking good. And it just started getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And as it's coming into Monday, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, I just need about 15.67 points, but who's counting from Lockett? And I would say if I had Wilson throwing him the ball, I would have felt okay about that. But Gino, yeah, I wasn't feeling great. You know, I was in the chat when that pass from Gino goes to Metcalf. And for anyone who is watching that game, <laughs> it's actually not a great pass. I mean, the DB kind of falls down and that's what makes the play. And I, I remember saying, because I, I saw you in the chat, I remember saying, I couldn't tell at first if that was DK or Lockett. Did you know it was DK? So I, I was actually getting ready for work. So I had just walked away from the TV and my phone, I just see a half of, a, of the preview for the message mm-hmm. and I see 85 yard TD and my heart <laughs> jumps and I'm like, yes, from DK. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, but it, but it helped. I'm like, okay, he can do it. You know, Gino can and throw the ball let's let's it was like a combo of Gino refusing to play the position of quarterback and 
added to that Pete Carroll deciding that I'm just going to run the ball three downs and out. And yeah, it just didn't feel good. And then by the second half, I'm just, I was trying to keep the hope alive and it wasn't there. And I don't think you're wrong when you say that, like you would have felt better with Russell Wilson in there because when he was in there, your team did really well. And Lockett was doing so good when Russell Wilson was in there. I feel like every week or so he was catching like a 50 yard touchdown pass. And then as soon as, as soon as he's gone, that just kind of disappears. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, coming into the season, I was higher on Lockett, I think than a lot of some other people in drafting. And for this format, I didn't want to take him early-ish because, you know, the risk of the boom bust that he had been the year prior. But where I got him, I don't remember the exact round, but I remember thinking, okay, you know, he's, he's my, I think, WR2. You know, I'm, I should be okay with that. I, you know, I can have other guys to carry those low weeks. And then he just started on fire just every every week just counting on him and it just oh it helped it felt good it helped he, he carried my team a couple times and then losing Russell Wilson it was just it was just a blow that just was not salvageable so is it fair to say that you're gonna blame the bye week for the exit because just looking at your team real quick I see Kirk Cousins on bye Probably would have done better than Teddy. Teddy gets you just an under 14 and Cousins maybe gets you a little more than that. But really, I think where yep. maybe you were hurting is Najee Harris on by and then Deontay Johnson on by. Is it fair to say that if either of those guys had been healthy, you would have swapped out Tim Patrick, who only got about 3.6? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, coming in, Tim Patrick had been a, mm-hmm. like a, a really reliable. He was going to get you 10 points. Like you could count on that. If, if you look out, you know, the past weeks before, I think it was four straight weeks, he was getting at least a minimum 10 points. So honestly, if I had Deontay, I, I would have been contemplating dropping or not dropping, but swapping him, lock it out. Because, you know, how his play had been with. Mm-hmm with Gino throwing in the ball, I, I probably would have kept Patrick in, honestly. But as we saw, Sunday hits, Teddy just collapses, can't get Patrick the ball, so I get, you know, that hurts me in two spots at, at once. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the bye week definitely burned me. And it, But I had to blame myself. I, I you know, coming into the bye week, I was more looking at, you know, Stebs was like, yeah, okay, he's, he's, he's hurting more than I am. I should be okay. But he did it right as he did better than I did. He, he made the moves he needed to make, and I didn't. I have to say, as someone who was fully prepared to go home last week, I just had a feeling Stebs was going to find a way to crawl out of that hole he had created for himself you know, it's wrong to say I was rooting for him more than I was rooting for myself. But it was amazing what he was able to do. And I, I feel bad because oh. it kind of comes at your expense here. But, like, no. He, no, had I, like if- he had, like, four legitimate starters who weren't on by. And somehow he was able to piece together a decent friggin' team. Yeah, I, I, I give him full respect for it. Like, I, 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 even, mentioned, I even said it in the chat. 
said, I call it right now. He is, he's staying alive. When I, when I, on uh, Wednesday, I believe it was, and I looked at his roster and I saw the moves he had made and, and what he had been able to do with his team. Like, I didn't think it was possible. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, he's sticking around. And, you know, I am going to be very near that chopping block. It's going to be a couple of us in the running, but I'm going to be near that chopping block. So you went home, and this is a story I've kind of heard in pieces. So I just want you to be able to to maybe tell me a more truthful side of the story. And I don't want to say explain yourself, but maybe to an extent. And that is you go home. And you've left us with Anthony Leone, who I am told you are responsible for this burden that we must all bear that is Anthony. Yeah, that, that's on me. I just want to foremost apologize to the league. I brought this evil into your lives, and that, that is my fault. Um, now, uh, Anthony and I, we play together in my, my, my favorite dynasty league. It's very active chat you know, working night shift, it's not uncommon that I'll wake up in the afternoon and it'll say 300 unread messages <laughs> in that chat because it's just the guys in there are just talking nonstop all day long. So, you know, I, I, I consider Anthony a friend, unfortunately, but, uh, uh, and I, I tell you, you guys get a small dose. Okay. In this mm-hmm. chat, like you guys, get a, you guys get a small, small dose. He is nonstop talking crap and, uh, nah, but that's uh, why we love him for it. But yeah, so I, I brought him in. I saw the league. I'd been wanting to play guillotine format. And uh, so I messaged him. I said, Hey, I, you know, I joined this. You need to join with me and play with me. So that's on me. And what really hurts is that, you know, when I play fantasy football, we all play to win. Of course, that's, that's Mm -hmm. the end goal, but really I play for the experience. The winning is a bonus on top, but I play for the experience and playing in this league has been a great experience and it's been so much fun. So in this league, I only had really one goal. That one goal was just to outlast Leone. <laughs> That's it. And each week it would be like, there he is. He's almost out and I'm going to outlast him. And then the cockroach would survive. We'd keep going on. And then it was just, it, and now I'm gone. And he's in and it hurts. It hurts deep down. Especially when I get a message the next day from him, and uh, it's maybe not even eight hours that my carcass has been lying dead, and he's already saying, "So, how much do you think your teammates are going to go for?" Uh, or, or, you know, he he wants me to help him pick through my dead carcass, and I'm just—it's just not nice, man. Let me grieve for a moment. Here's the thing: you—I didn't know that that's the kind of thing he had done with you, but it is a hundred percent on brand that he would come to you not only for your help to see can he acquire someone on the cheap, but also because he wants to remind you that he's still playing and you're not. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He, he will. I count on getting that rubbed in multiple times throughout the coming weeks. So you brought him into this league, and you say this is just a small dose of maybe, I don't want to say what he is capable of, but sure. Mm-hmm. So based on what you've seen from him in the chat, maybe on this podcast and just in general, how would you grade him as a league member in this league? Uh, A being that he is, you know, he is the epitome of excellency and F being he should have been kicked out before the draft. What's, What's the grade that you would give our friend Anthony on that? 
Oh, that's tough. That's tough. Um, it's definitely it, not an A. It, it, if you're if you're grading on etiquette, it, it's definitely not an A. Um, but if you're grading on, he adds a little something to the league. He mm-hmm. adds that uh, villain-esque uh, personality. You know, then I can't give him an F. You know, he, he's everybody. You know, he he's the front of me. He's the, mm-hmm. he's the friend that you love to hate, you know? And I, I think everybody needs that in, in, every, in every group. It, it, it makes it interesting. So now we're going to do something that I'm stealing from a different podcast that I produce, and that is simply something called the Fast Five, which is uh, five questions around fantasy football. You just give me your most heartfelt, honest answer, okay? Okay, let's go. Right. Uh, question number one, the player that you own, you would say in the most dynasty leagues that you play in, who's the most commonly owned player for you? Uh, Josh Jacobs. Is that an intentional or does the board just fall that way? Uh, one league was intentional and then the other was, it was a uh, orphan. All right. Question two, do you like drafting players from your favorite team? Is that an experience that you enjoy? Ah. Uh, I, I actually don't. I'm, I'm a Lions fan. So yep. as you can imagine, there's a lot of lows that come with that. Um, so I feel like I'm a pretty honest owner as it comes to evaluating the Lions. But I do get hopeful about others so little more. So like TJ Hawkinson coming this year, I was super high on him. But I think that wasn't absurd. That's very fair. And I, I sympathize with the Lions. I do. I really do. <laughs> Question number three, favorite format that you play in? A one QB guy, super flex, tight end premium, guillotine. What's your favorite format? Ooh, that's tough. That is tough. Uh, man, man, I feel like guillotine, guillotine is, is taking the, the top tier for me this year. I, you know, coming in, I, I was curious by it, but it's really sucked me in, you know, which of course makes losing that much more painful, but it, <laughs> It's it's a lot of fun, but luckily I signed up for one other guillotine league, so I still get to play the experience, and I think I've got a pretty decent roster there. Question four: Just give me a give me a crazy story from one of the leagues you've played in in the past. Something that when you think of like story that epitomizes your experience in fantasy football, what comes to mind? Oh my goodness! So I play in this work league, and it's like me, one other guy, and maybe one other guy who's really, really into fantasy, like, you know, that unhealthy obsession Mm -hmm. with fantasy. And then maybe two guys that are okay with fantasy and the rest are just terrible, terrible managers. And I can't get above 500 in that league every year. It's so unbelievably frustrating. Like every year I just, and you want to, you want to guess what my record is right now? 500. I can't, I can't get above it no matter what I do. I, I just win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Last question. What's a bad trade offer that comes to mind that you've gotten recently? You don't have to name names. I'm just curious. Like what's a real bad offer you've seen recently? Oh man. Um, trying to think of what the details were. It was this, the season started bad. I had, had Zeke and, and you know how he had those first uh, mm-hmm. game or two that were a little rough. And 
man, what did he offer me? He offered me Melvin Gordon because he started that, you know, that first really good game. And it was Melvin Gordon and Corey Davis. That's what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Not great. That's not good. I mean, (laughs) I don't think you can make an argument for that. No, especially kind of watching how things have played out this year. You know, at this point, you would be, you'd be thankful that you didn't pull the trigger on that trade. Yeah. Like, I get it. He was trying to capitalize. Melvin Gordon had a good game. Corey Davis had a good game. And he was trying to capitalize on that. And, you know, but, you know, it's not my first go around with fantasy. So obviously, I'm not going to do that. So usually at this point, I would say, do you wish you had spent more money? Because usually at this point, the person who's gone home, you know, has held on to their money. They didn't make enough roster moves. And that's kind of why they went home. That's not a question that applies to you. I mean, you spent, you spent, you only had 285 left. So I'm going to assume you don't wish you'd spent more money. No, I I did. I did. I, I did 600 in week one, if you remember. Yes, I do. And I think one of those was very good. Aaron Jones. (laughs) was solid. And for the life of me, I don't know why I spent 200 on Tyler Higby. It was just, I, one of those things coming into the draft season, I was higher on Higby. than I think the general consensus was I liked the player and I liked the Rams office, the way they were looking, they got Matthew Stafford from my lions. So I'm like, yes, this is it. And I was weak at tight end. And I'm like, 200 sounds reasonable. Looking back, very foolish. So I think that's about the only real bad, mis- egregious mistake that I made, you know, bid-wise. Other than that, I think I made okay, solid decisions for the most part. But here I am, not in the league anymore. So hindsight 2020. Is it fair to say that you – and I don't think – I don't think you would have thought this in the moment, but just he's the highest total point player on your bench. Was there any part of you that thought I should think about starting two tight ends and go with Robert Tanyan? Any part of you? <laughs> Zero part of me thought okay. about starting Robert Tanyan. Yeah, that's, you know, because I was in another league where I was hurting. I needed a, a fill in for the, the late um, uh, Waller injury. And, I'm like, oh, well, I could add Tunyon. And then I'm like, nah, nah, he's not been playing well. That wasn't smart. Yeah, I mean, you look at him and you see 16, but are you really going to bench? You're not going to bench Higby, especially against Detroit. And unless you're you're me, you're not going to start two tight ends probably. (laughs) Yes, yes. You've been the ballsy one. I remember in the draft when when you went all in on it, I was just like, but why? To be fair, the Mark Andrews thing has worked out incredibly well for me. He's the number two tight end in fantasy. Listen, I, we're all guilty of it. We have our takes, and this is what it needs to be, and, and then you find out you're totally wrong. And that, I was wrong on that one. Mark Andrews has been solid for you, man. You know, the two areas I've lucked out on are Mark Andrews has been solid, and Leonard Fournette has been a demigod for me, basically. Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought? Now, granted, my first tight end, George Kittle, has done almost nothing for me. So let's not pretend like the tight end experience has been like all gravy for me. It's kind of in a 50%. It was good. You you know, you backed him up and uh, it worked out for you. It worked out for you. Now, eh, how is Kittle going to do coming in the future? 
I would like to know because I have them in one roster. And uh, yeah, it's, I've always been, you know, before then, I've always kind of waited on tight end for, that's been my, my, mm-hmm. my go-to move. And then this year, I, you know, I was like, okay, I need to stop waiting at tight end so much. So I started going a lot earlier. And the league that I got Kittle, I think that's the earliest I ever went on tight end in any league. And then you know how that's been. I do. Tight end to me is interesting because I think there's that sort of theory out there that if you don't get one of those big three tight ends, really, that there's a lot of people out there who think you need to wait. And that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the wrong move. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think perhaps in, in this league, maybe even in other leagues, I think maybe across sort of fantasy football in general, that that's created a blind spot, I think is, I think is what I would say. So people are so concerned with, well, if I'm, I've heard people say, if I'm, if I'm not getting like one of the first tight ends, I want to take one of the last tight ends, which is fine. Yeah. And I don't, it, it can be, it depends on how you, obviously sure. every strategy can work if, if done right and if you get a little luck on your way. But, you know, I think my strategy before, it wasn't so much that I wanted to be the last one mm-hmm. taking a tight end, but I would generally would identify one of those later guys and be like, okay, this is the guy I believe in, or maybe two guys. These guys, I think they had the shot to take that next step. And so it's not so much I would wait to get the last one, but right. I would wait to target one of those others if I didn't get a top tier. No, I think you have two, what I would consider at least serviceable, if not, you know, above average tight ends in Higby. And I know Tanyan hasn't been great this year, but like he's got the opportunity to go off in just about any week if he sees the targets in the red zone, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I got both of them on waivers, obviously mm-hmm. one, the, the 200 overspend, but then I can't remember what I spent for Tanya, but it wasn't much. And so, you know, I, I was able to piece that together because I, I did in this league wait too long and I can't remember who I ended up with, but it was very low. So I swapped them out pretty quick. You know, one of the guys I I hadn't thought about this originally, but just as we're talking and I'm kind of looking at your roster here and I have fallen victim to this player in another league. And that is what the hell is going on with Allen Robinson? Is this just that the bears are bad and Justin Fields can't get him the ball? It it has to be. It has to be. Cause I mean, if you look over his, his career, it's just full of bad quarterback play mm-hmm. that he has turned into fantasy gold. It's full of it. And then this year, it's just I, apparently he finally hit. I, I think obviously Justin Fields has a part of it, but I, I think Nagy has just imploded coaching-wise. Like it's, I think he's got to go. It's his decision-making for play calling and everything else. It's, he, he is setting Fields up for failure. Their offensive line is just destroying the young talent. And we're in that range of, you know, we can see one of these rookie QBs that come out with so much promising that gets ruined by bad coaching, bad line play. And then they have that risk of never becoming their potential. And so that's the only thing I can assume with Alan Robinson. And unfortunately I was the next one to add him on waivers and be eliminated. I think it's happened, what, at least three times now. Yes. It's, he's he's that he's the carrot you know it just this dangles in front of you and you you go for it and it's it, you never catch it it's always it's, it's always a trap so we'll see who, who who gets it next time so in terms of who you'd want to sucker punch in the face for our favorite part of the show are yeah, we yeah. thinking that you would rather sucker punch geno smith for not being able to get the ball to tyler lockett more than two times against new orleans or 
would you rather sucker punch Roger Goodell for scheduling Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson to have a bye the week you needed them the most? Uh, man, can I just kid them all? Like, can, can I, mean, I yeah. sucker? Can, I've, can never, I I've never made the rule that you can't. I mean, I mean, I, I and I mean, I want to add to it, you know, I want to mm-hmm. punch the Denver offense for not being able to do anything, which torpedo two players of mine. And, uh, and you know, I, I want to punch myself because I, I didn't play it right this week. I didn't play it right on waivers. I, I, I have myself to blame and, you know, I didn't step it up and Stebs did. And he deserves to move on. And he does. And I will say right now, I want him to win the league. <laughs> it would be a great ending. I will give him that. I mean, if Anthony Leone is the villain of this league, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, is Stebs the hero? I think this could turn him into the hero. Like, you yeah. know, it's the under it's the underdog you want to cheer for, you know? The 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 classic movie story of you you won a champion and they they end up defying all odds and winning it all. Yeah. I I think it feels good to cheer for that. Last thing before I let you go. This is a ridiculously hard question, so I apologize in advance. What's going to decide this league? When you look at sort of some of the players in this league, you look at the managers and you look at the way things have kind of shook out over the first half a dozen weeks or so what do you think is going to be the thing that ultimately swings this league i mean i don't like saying this because you know people like us who play fantasy football a lot you hear other people they're just like it's just luck Mm -hmm. and there is definitely an aspect of luck to fantasy football but there's an aspect of skill and um I guess tenacity to, to constantly pound the pavement and work on it and work on it and work on your team. But in this format, there's so much luck that's involved in it because in another format, you can survive a bad week and move on in this format. You can't. And so I think that is going to be one of the biggest deciding factors. And then right below that, I think it's going to be, who can get those those powerhouse players in the end when others are don't have money and that's that that's so hard to do because you have to spend money to stick to stick around but you need money in the end to stick around it's so i i think it's going to be a combo of that luck and and who can get those top tier players when it really counts at the end Well said. All right. I appreciate your time this evening. I appreciate you chatting with me. Evan, you've been a great member of the league, great guest on the podcast, and I hope you'll stick around in the chat. Oh, I absolutely will, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, bud. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the officially unofficial Roto Heat Guillotine League podcast. It's been a pleasure as always. Long live Stebs. Watch out for Leone. He's coming for you. Knife in the back. It's on the way. Don't say I didn't warn you. And I hope you'll be listening next week. <laughs>